Okay, we are doing daf tes vav, and we're starting from the two dots, a good ten lines down, where it says shem hayom kasev that the name of the day will used to be written down on the ticket. So again, we're talking about the tickets that they would use. People wouldn't schlep all the wine and oil and flour themselves to the base of mikdash. They would just come and purchase a ticket, and then the ticket could be redeemed by another station where they would buy the nechas, the nesachim that was required for their olo ushlam. So the Mishnah said that they would write the name uh, the name of the day on the ticket in order to make sure that people weren't going to lie and cheat. So what does that mean? That would mean that let's say one person would lose their ticket and somebody else would find it. So he's not going to be so dumb to try to bring it that day because everyone will, will know he's a, he's a Ghanav because the other guy's looking for his ticket. But what we'll do is he'll try to bring it the next day. So therefore, to preclude that, uh, to make sure that doesn't happen, we would they would write the name of the day. So the Gemara asks, how does that help? What if he matches the day? What if he comes back on the same day of the week, on a different week? The same day on a different week. He could use it, even though he's stealing. So we should have to write more than just the name of the day. So the Gemara answers, You're right. They would also write the Mishmar. They would alternating Mishmaras, a different group of Kohanim who would serve. So if they write the, 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 which Mishmar it was, he won't be able to come and bring it on the same day the next week. Says the Gemara still, What if he matches that Mishmar? In other words, what if he comes back when the Mishmar comes again? You know, wait till the next cycle. There was 24 Mishmaras, so we'll have to wait a good six months or so, but he'll wait till the next, um, he'll wait till the next cycle, that Mishmar, and he'll present the, he'll present his token on the same exact day. So how are we solving anything by writing the Mishmar in the day? It still has to be more specific. So the Gemara answers, He write the day, the week, and the month were all written on it. So that would definitely make it really hard to copy. I feel he wrote to the Zavik in the Even if he wants to match it, it would be such an uncommon possibility that there's no way he's going to do it. So that's fine. So as long as we write the name of the, the, the name of the day, the name of the week, and the name of the Mishmar, everything is satisfied that it will be okay. Continues the Mishnah more about the way the base of Mikdash worked. There were two different Lishkos. Lishko is a chamber where they were kind of like a storehouse in the base of Mikdash. They were built into the built into the walls all over the place, different different lishkos. So there were two that we're going to talk about. One was called the the, the chamber of people who are trying to be keep the secrets. And one was called the lishka of Caleb. What's the lishka of Chashan? People who are very God-fearing, they would put donations into it where no one would see them because they didn't want to stop give tzedakah directly. Giving tzedakah directly is definitely a mitzvah when you give it directly to the poor person. But a higher level of tzedakah is when you give it in a discreet way that no one knows that you're giving it and then the poor person doesn't know that you gave it, that's even a higher level because you, you save the poor person any shame or embarrassment. So they would just put it Total, total, in total anonymity, they would just put it into the into the chamber, and then and then the poor people who came from the Tovim, from aristocratic families, they would come and take from it. They would be very particularly embarrassed ever to take a handout, so they would come and take it secretly. What was the lishka sakilim? Anyone who would pledge something for the base of mikdash, he wanted to to give something that he owned to the base of mikdash. He would throw the kli into this chamber. And then what happened? And once every thirty days, treasurers will open up the chamber. Any kli that they felt that they could use in the base of mikdash, let's say you know there was a, a hammer that they could use the, the hammer itself in the base of mikdash. So many they would leave it. In other words, they wouldn't redeem it. They wouldn't sell it. They would use the item itself. Why not? It's something that has value to us. This guy donated it to the bedikah bias. We'll use it. But all the rest, all of the kalim that they didn't have any need for in the base of mikdash, nimkaran they would sell. And then all the profits, all the proceeds that were made would go to the general bedikah bias. So they try ideally to use what, if they have a use for it, they would use it itself in the base of mikdash. And if there was no particular need 
then they would sell it, and then the money would be used to general by the Kabbalist needs. So the Gemara talks more about tzedakah here. Also about tzedakah. They were the leaders. They were communal leaders, and, and people would give them money to give out to the poor, so on and so forth. But they would give to, they would give some of the tzedakah to Reb Chama, the father of Oshie, they would give him a dinner, and he would give it to other people, meaning they were poor people who didn't want to take it directly from the leader. It was embarrassing to them. So so, so, so they, it went through a middleman, someone who was very trustworthy, who would go through his hands, so it would be less of an embarrassment uh, to the poor. So that's the Gemara, very similar here, Reb Zechariah, Reb Chassan, Reb Levi. Um, there was someone, Reb Zechariah, the son-in-law of Reb Levi, everyone was saying bad things about him. What were they saying? Amr, and they said, he doesn't need tzedakah, but he still takes tzedakah himself. They were saying bad things that he was like taking tzedakah when he didn't deserve it. So what happened? When he passed away, Badkin, they checked into it, into the matter of that he actually was taking tzedakah, but not keeping it for himself. He was taking tzedakah and giving it out to other people who were very poor, but they were embarrassed to come and take it themselves. And it was his job, it was his chesed, that he would be the middle person to go distribute it to the poor people. Says the Gemara, he would do the mitzvah, and we're talking about specifically at tzedakah, at night. It was very secret. No one should be embarrassed. He would always do it at night. Chazman, there was one time, a big, a big, uh, high person up in the evil spirits met him, met him as he was going to do the mitzvah and he wanted to harm him. So Amar Lehi, so the spirit said to him, Lokin Alpha Rebbe, didn't, didn't you teach us that you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to move the boundary marker with your friend, meaning you're not allowed to go on someone else's, no, someone else's territory. So nighttime, they're saying it's our territory. You're not supposed to be going out yourself at night. And there's actually, that's, that's the whole idea. Tamachacham is very, a very special Allah. It's, it's Mamash also for him generally to go out at night. So what are you doing coming and giving out stuck on my territory? Don't encroach on my stuff. But it doesn't also say that any secret gift pushes away the anger of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The idea is that, that being out at night is to do it tzedakah and then that's going to that's gonna protect me. What happened was that the spirit got scared and it ran away. So we see again the power of giving tzedakah uh, and that it even pushed away this evil spirit. Continues the Gemara Rabbiona Ashri knows in the Dal Inksiv Khan it doesn't say so it doesn't say in the Pasuk here, Pasuk and Dilam, that praises the person who gives to the poor people, Ella Ashri Maskil El someone who thinks about the poor people, meaning there's a value. He doesn't stop give the tzaka, but he's a maskil, he's using his his intellect to think about how to give the tzaka in the most sensitive way. He contemplates, he thinks about what the best way is to do the mitzvah, that he shouldn't embarrass the poor person. Kate said Rabbiona, oh, so how would Rabbiona, this is Rabbiona, so this is his teaching, so how would he personally implement this idea? If he would see a poor person who came from a very wealthy family who lost his inheritance and as they lost their wealth, he would say to him, I heard that you're going to get inheritance somewhere else. I heard that you're going to get money from somewhere else. So told so take money now, borrow money from me now. I know you don't have money now, so I'm not giving you a handout. I know you, it's not, it's not my, it doesn't, it's not unbecoming for you to take handouts, but I know that you're going to have money soon. So why don't you, why don't you, why don't I give you like a handout now? And uh, you'll pay me back later when you get the cash. So Mindav and Natsiv, and once he took it, then would tell him, I'm giving it to you as a gift. You know what? Just keep it. So that was the, the, the Chachma was almost like this cunning way that Rabbi Yonah had to get the poor people to accept the Tzedakah. Says the Gemara, 
And he says, in our days, we're old people. If anyone would give them stuck to these old people between Rosh Hashanah and the great fast of Yom Kippur, they would accept tzedakah only during that time. But from after then, they would never accept it. Why? They said that, that our year is already with us. What does it mean our year is already with us? That the Gzar Din and Shemayim about how much money we're going to have has already been decreed. So on Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, it's written and inscribed and sealed about how much how money a person's going to have. So until then, it makes sense to accept tzedakah. It hasn't been an exile. But after, after it's already Yom Kippur, it doesn't make sense any, anymore to take tzedakah because it's already been an exile exactly how much money we're going to have. So at that point, they wouldn't take more. Says the Gemara Nechemi Yashichin, the poor Nechemi uh, Yashichin, the Nechemi, the, the, the pit digger, and we talked about him before. So, Pagaba Yushami Echad, he once met a very uh, Yushami, a poor one, evidently. Amalei Zachi Mi Chazan and he said, give me a hen. And the idea was, he was asking for, the, the, the poor person was asking for, for enough money to go buy a hen. And just to understand a little bit here in the context, a hen is worth, it was like a very expensive thing. So it would be like, you know, a poor person coming and asking, he says, give me money for, instead of asking for like a sandwich or a loaf of bread, he asked for, for, for a steak. So he said, come on, you know, I don't have to give you that much. I'm going to let Here's for you to go get to go get some meat. In other words, don't get a hen. The hen is some delicacy. It's enough that you know what? Let me just give you enough to get a regular, simple piece of meat. You don't need the luxury of the hen. So the poor man took the money, right? He goes and he gets the meat, he eats it, and he died. His stomach wanted something better. Come and eulogize the person that Nehemiah murdered. In other words, he took accountability and upon himself for killing this poor person because he felt that had he given him the hen, then it would have been, it would, he wouldn't have died. And the idea was this poor person must have been accustomed to eating delicacies, whatever it was before he lost his money. And therefore we assume that had he given him a hen, then he wouldn't have passed away and he blamed himself for the death of the poor person. Says the Gemara, similar story here. Nachamish Gamzu. He was once bringing a gift to his father-in-law's house. He was met by a person who was very mukashchin. He had affliction of boils, a very sick person. Amalei, the person said to Nachamish Gamzu, Give me whatever you have. Amalei, Nachamish said to him, When I come back, on my way back, I'll give you. I'm busy now. On my way back, I'm going to give you the tzedakah. Chazar, when he came back, he found that the poor person had already passed away. Nachamish said to the to the corpse of the of the dead person, the eyes that saw you but didn't, but it, but but didn't do anything um, to give you should become blind. He should, he should become blind. So he's giving himself a curse. He's saying, my eyes that saw you and didn't do anything about it should become blind. The hands that didn't stretch out to give you, and those hands should be cut off. The legs that weren't running, to give you, the legs should be broken. And this is all these curses that Achim Mishkamsu said to himself, they all happened to him, and he suffered terribly. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva went to visit him. Nachum Mishkamsu in his horrible pain. Amalei. So Rabbi Kiva said to Nachum, he said, Woe to me that I have to see you like this. Meaning he felt very bad. Amalei, Nachum said to Rabbi Kiva, Woe to me that I don't see you like this. Meaning he basically is cursing Rabbi Kiva. He's saying, you're feeling bad? This is, this is good. This is good stuff. So Amalei, Rabbi Kiva said, Why are you cursing me? Amalei, he said, why are, you, why are you rejecting the, the value of, of, of Yisur and of afflictions? Afflictions are very good. It's great, great kaparas of onus. You know, so Nachum Mishkamsu was obviously at a very holy, holy level that he was willing willing and happy to have these Yisurin, but Rabbi Akiva did not like the curse. 
says the Gemara, Ravoshi, Rabbi Yavar, it was Ravoshi, the great, who was the teacher of his son, was a blind person. So Ravoshi, Rabbi, had, had a son, and the son's teacher was a blind. The, the, the son's Rebbe was blind. Ravoshi used to go eat with him every single day to show him cover. He wanted to give him honor for teaching his son. There was one time, Avalo Orchin, that Ravoshi had Orchin, he had gas, and therefore he didn't go to the blind person to eat with him. And that evening, Ravoshi went to his house and he wanted to apologize for not eating with him. So Ravoshi said to him, You should not be angry with me that I didn't come. It was because I had gas today. Um, and that's why that's why I was nervous. The Amrits I said the Lavazibikara to Mari Yomadin that they shouldn't I said that they shouldn't, you know, may, may, be poge on the covet of you in this day. I didn't know the who they, I didn't know, so I didn't want to bring them or anything. So because of this, begin gain Yomadin. Because of this reason I didn't come eat. I had my own guess, I wasn't sure who they were exactly, and this is why I didn't come to you. So I'm relay, the blind person said, you came in a peace, a person who is seen but cannot see, right? I am blind. I am seen, I am perceived, but I cannot see. And you came to appease me. To appease me. So the one who could see but cannot be seen, which is a reference to Hakadosh Baruch Hakadosh Baruch who sees but cannot be seen. Hakadosh Baruch should accept your appeasement. Amalei Raboshia said to him, Hadam and Allah. This very clever idea that you just said, where did you get it from? This source that, that the blind people are like the opposite of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They are seen, but cannot see. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees, but cannot be seen. Where did where, you get that idea from? So I'm the blind person, Rabbi Lazar Yaakov, I got it from a story what happened to Rabbi Lazar Yaakov. Rabbi Lazar Yaakov also had the there was once a blind man that went up to the city of Rabbi Lazar Yaakov. He also Rabbi Lazar Yaakov, the Ramine. Rabbi Yaakov always made sure to sit in a place under by the blind man. He always made sure to be under him, to hear him, so that people should say, to Lula Dabar and also Rabbah, if this blind person wasn't a great person, then why would Rabbi Yaakov be with him? He wouldn't be sitting under him. So Rabbi Lazar Yaakov was doing it so that people should respect the blind person. And because they respected him, they gave him a very good Parnassus. He got hired out for a very good job. So the blind man, Got a good parnasa, all because of the respect that Rabbi Lazar Yaakov gave to him. So I'm alone. He said to them, Manachli, what's going on? I'm alone. They said, You know why we're giving you such respect? Because Rabbi Lazar Yaakov, that's what the Rami Because Rabbi Lazar Yaakov said unto you, You must be a great person. So realizing this, realizing now what, 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 what had happened, this blind man is davening. He davens. At Slosa, at Slosa, davening for Rabbi Yaakov. What's the davening? You gave kindness to, to the one who is seen but cannot, cannot, cannot see. That's me, the blind person. So, and the one who could see but cannot be seen should give kindness to you. Who should pay you back. Continues the Gemara. There was a story, Dalma, as a question if it's in the Gersa here, but. There was a story, Rabbi once walking through the shuls by Lud. Look at how much money my father put into this shul. Evidently, it was like a beautiful shul or something. They built the shul. Look how much money was put in. Like he was like saying, look at beautiful, look at these shuls, how much stucco was raised for these, for these shuls. How many lives did your father sink? Meaning, Tzedakah is nice to give to a shul, but to give to someone, a Talmud Chacham who sits Torah is even bigger. There were no people who were learning Torah that, that, that he could have supported instead of giving money to the shul. And this is the idea that giving money to Talmud uh, Chachamim 
to 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 chachamim, that is a that's even a higher level than giving the money to a shul. So you're bragging about how much money your father gave to the shul. Well, think about it. He could have been giving the money to poor talmidei chachamim. Says the Gemara of Avon Avad Elin Tarit. Once gave he gave these very fancy gates. The Sidra Rabba to Abraham base to the big yeshiva. So you don't need very fancy gates. Also, Rabba like my Ramana came to Mamalei. Rabba said, "Chamay Mahadis." Do you see what I've done? He was, he was like boastful. Like, look how beautiful it is. The Jewish people have forgotten the Pasuk Kedoshet. They forgot Hashem and they built Heichalos. So the Pasuk Shah in the Pasuk is that they forgot Hashem and they made Heichalos. They made sanctuaries for, for idolatry. But he's saying, homiletically, we could say you forget Hashem even when you donate to a shul. Because the highest level isn't giving beautiful gates to a shul. The higher level would be to give the money to poor there no people who are learning Torah around you could have given the money to it okay now we we, meant, we go back to the second chamber the second chamber that the Mishnah mentioned was the Lishka of the Kalim where anyone would put Kalim that they, they wanted to donate if they had a need for it like a hammer they would use it if they didn't they would sell it and the proceeds would go to Bedek ha bias. So Tani, it says in the Bible, so Kachim is Beach, Monsignor, so right, Land, we Kachim, Bedek ha bias. Let's say Kachim is Beach, the needs of them is Beach, like Carbonos. If they're missing something, they can take from the funds of Bedek ha bias. So in other words, let's say all the Shkalim that are collected aren't enough to buy all the Carbonos that, uh, that we need for the community. So then we're able to dip into the fund of the Bedek ha bias and, uh, and supplement what is missing. In the in the kachim is back. However, in the inverse, in kachim by the glass, it's in Israel. The kachim is back. Let's say kachim, but the upkeep of the base of mitzvah needs more money. We can't take from 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 some extra shkalim that were that are for kachim is back. We can't take from them. It seems that the idea is kachim is back is a little bit higher. So to go to it would be a downgrade for so the shkalim of the kachim is back we use for your bedek abayis. But the inverse, you use bedek abayis for the kachim is back. That is allowed. So the Mar says, what about our mission? It said in the mission, klisha matzvot sarach bedek abayis manichanoso. Any kli that they found a use for the by the kabbais they would use but the rest anything that they didn't have a need for they would sell with the main level of the kabbais and the proceeds would go to by the kabbais so the question is why does it say it would go to by the kabbais does shenudah also say and if the kachim mizbeach would be missing funds it would go to the kachim mizbeach so from the fact that it didn't mention that it could theoretically go to kachim mizbeach as well it sounds like it can't and the kachim mizbeach even if they're missing funds they are not allowed to dip into the kachim by the kabbais. To supplement. So the Gemara answers, Amar Nisa. No, this is what the Mishnah means. Lishkas by the Gabbai. He goes to Lishkas by the Gabbai. Meaning, the point of the Gemara is that the Mishnah is not discussing, you know, what would we do if the Kachim is back, ran out of money, would we help them out from the Kachim by the Gabbai? The Mishnah is saying the Ikar Halacha. The Ikar Halacha we're talking about. If someone donated to the, to somebody donated to the, to, to, to the Badaka Bayas, a, 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 a Kli. So we say if we need it, then we, then we keep it. And if we don't need it, so then uh, we're going to sell it and we'll use the money. So it said, we'll put the money by the by the Kabbais. Does that now mean, are we supposed to infer that if what were to happen, that if the, the Kachim is back, would be short a little bit of funds that we wouldn't take from the Kachim by the Kabbais? No, you know, there's no such inference. Maybe you would you would take from the Kachim by the, from the, Kachim by the Kabbais. The Bakla wasn't the uh, the, of the mission. That wasn't what the mission was dealing with. The mission was just pointing out whether or not we take it, we take it for ourselves. Uh, whether or not we use we use the utensil itself or we sell it, but in a chanami it could be, it could be that uh, we would in a chanami take the money and if we needed it for kachim mizbeach we would use it for kachim mizbeach as well. Okay, so now we get learn more about the donations places of donations here in the base of Mikdash. Shlosha also shofar shlosha shoshochanas. There are thirteen different uh, uh, places where they would put the money. So different collection box. They were called shofars. They were shaped like a shofar. We'll, we'll learn about it. There were thirteen different. Chests that they would collect the money. There were also 13 different uh, tables. We'll talk about the tables coming up. That's later on in the Mishnahis. 
and the Shlosha Yosef and 13 different places where they would bow inside of the base of So we're just, you know, running off that tangent of the number 13. The main point that our Mishnah wants to tell us is that there were 13 different um, shofars where they would collect the money, and then the Mishnah moves on to the tangent that there were also 13 tables and 13 places they would bow. But the people from Gamliel's house and from the house of Gamliel's they would bow 14 places. What was the extra one? Where was the additional place? Kenegadira ate it by the, the, the chamber where all the wood was kept. All they had a special storehouse for all the wood in this bath. They would bow there as well. Why? She came a from them and saying they had a tradition from their ancestors. Shashama Aaron ignores that the Aaron was hidden there. The Aaron, King Oshia. The Oshia, towards the end of the first place on Mikdash, about a hundred years before, he was scared that the, the Aaron would fall into uh, into the wrong hands. And saw that the base mitzvah was going to be destroyed, so he hid the Aaron. So it was a whole question we're going to see in the Gemara about where exactly is the Aaron hidden. So they had a tradition that the Aaron was hidden by the, the wood chamber. So that's why that's what they would do, is that they would bow specifically over there. Says the Gemara, Maisa, there was once a story, there was a Kohen, he was busy in the wood chamber, he was busy doing something, and suddenly he saw that the stones on the floor, one of them looked different, one stone was dislodged, he told one of his friends, he wasn't able to tell his friend before he died right away on the spot, he was about to reveal the secret of where the Aaron was, and they knew certainly that that must be that that's where the Aaron was buried, and that's why he died in the spot, so that he wouldn't have a chance to reveal to his friend where the Aaron was. Says the Gemara Tani, Ashofar, these collection boxes, they were like Shofar, Akumazar, they were curved, Saras Momala, they were very narrow at the top, or Chavas Momata, and they were wide on the bottom, narrow among, so that people shouldn't, um, shouldn't trick. In other words, they, if, if it's wide on the top, then someone could, could pretend to put in a coin, and really he would be taking out a coin. So in order to prevent that, we make sure that it's narrow on the top, so you wouldn't be able to do that. And uh, in order to take out the money at the bottom, you have to flip the whole thing over, which you wouldn't be able to pull off uh, in front of people. If it would be wine on the top, it might be a little bit easier to sneak some coins out of the shofar. Now we go back to different traditions about what happened to the Aaron. Tani, it says in a bride, in the name of Rabbi Lazar. You know what happened to the Aaron? It was taken to Bava with the exile clients. So, Matam, what's the source? It says, nothing is going to be left. In Dover, not even a Dover will be left. What's Dover? In Dover, Elisha, Dibras, Vesocho. Dover, it can mean something, but it can also mean Dover, the Dibros, not even the thing that held the Asaras of Dibros, the Aaron held the, the Luchos of the Asaras of Dibros, even that won't be left. Turn of the year, the King of Nebuchadnezzar sent by Vilbavala. He had him brought to Babel, talking about Yochin, he was brought to Babel in Kli Chemdas Beis Hashem, together with the precious Kalim of, 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 of the Beis HaMikdash. What is the precious Kalim? Is El Kli Chemdas Beis Hashem? Must be Zeh Aron. It's a reference to the Aron. There's nothing more precious than that. So we have a source from the Torah, from, from the Navi rather, that uh, the, the Aaron was brought to Babel. Now we have a different opinion. No, it's not true. The Aaron was hidden right in its place. It was buried deep under the Kodesh HaKadoshim. This is the meaning of the Pasuk. It says in the Pasuk, It says, talking about the poles of the Aaron, that the tips of the poles were, were seen from the, from the Kodesh, that they protruded out. They were seen but not seen. We'll talk about that in a second. The, the, the poles protruded out into the curtain. And they were not, and they remained there until this very day. So the pasuk seems to say that it remained there until the, until this very day. So clearly we see, clearly we see that um, that it must be that the aron always remained there and it was just buried bimkoma. It wasn't above the floor, but it still remained 
on that very spot. So now the Gemara just wants to understand what does it mean with these poles. Because if I wrote, it says that you could see the poles. But at the end of the Pasuk says, you couldn't see the poles. They protruded and stuck into the curtain and they looked like the two breasts of a woman which protrude into her, into her shirt. So this is the idea that that's what the, the poles of the arm look like and there's a whole deep idea. That's where Moshe used to learn Torah from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's like a, a baby nursing, like a baby nursing from the Ribbon Says the Gemara, This is the third opinion. The arm was hidden in the, 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 the chamber where the wood was. And the story to support that, There was once a story with the coin that was He was sitting and peeling wood, preparing the wood for the Mizbeach. And he noticed that one of the, one of the, the stones on the floor was different than the other parts. He told his friend, Look, this part of the floor is different than the other parts. His He wasn't able to complete his sentence until he passed away. And they knew with certainty that the arm must be buried there. So the bottom line is, is that we have three opinions about what happened to the arm. Either it was taken to Babel, it was buried deep onto the Kodesh HaKadoshim, or it was in the Lishkas He noticed it was different, so he hit it with a hammer and a fire came out with Sarfaso and it burned him on the spot. Now the Gemara continues to talk about the Aron. There were two different Aronos which would accompany the Jewish people. Let's remember. Moshe Rabbeinu made an Aron. It says in the Torah that Moshe made an Aron. And it also talks about Betzal making an Aron. So the Bryson says there were two different Aronos. There was one that the Torah was kept in. On the other one, the broken pieces were there. In other words, the broken pieces of the first Luchos that Moshe broke. So one of them, the Torah, the Torah we're talking about is Moshe's Torah. The Torah was kept in and one, the Shiva Luchas with it. This one, the first one where the Torah was kept in, that was kept inside of the Mishkan, in the Omoid, and it didn't move. Although this is, this is the meaning of the Pasuk, that the Ark of Hashem and Moshe didn't move, the Kerav HaMachan. So this is talking about the, the context of this Pasuk, is by the Mapilim, right after Shlat, and right after the, the spies failed. So there were certain people who wanted to go to Israel and still go fight, and they obviously failed. So it says that they didn't have the Aaron, the Aaron didn't move. So that was the one, that Aaron that the Pasuk was talking about, was the one that had the, the Sefer Torah, it was always kept in the side of the Omoid. And the other Aaron, which had the broken pieces of the Luchos in it, that would go out with the Jews. In other words, they would take it out whenever they would fight war. Sometimes it was seen with them. Meaning that sometimes when they would travel, they would take it out. When they would engage in warfare, they would take out that other Aaron. Says the Gemara, not everybody agrees to this. There was only one Aaron. In other words, yes, it's true that Moshe had an Aaron, but when Betzal made an Aaron, now both sets of Luchos are put in it, and the, the Aaron from Moshe was never used again. It was never, it was never used again once the Aaron of Betzal came along. There was only one time that it was taken out. The only time that they took out the Aaron was in the story with Eli, with Eli Koyim. They went to fight the Pelishtim and the Aaron was captured. That was the only time that they did it. So we have a Machlokas here. If there was a second Aaron that was meant to be taken in and out, well, there's really only one Aaron and they made a mistake that one time with Eli taking it out and it got captured. Says the Makarim, the, the, the following Pasuk supports the opinion of the Rabbanon. It says in the Pasuk, in that battle, the Pelishtim said, Oh no, who's going to save us from the, from the hands of, from the, from the hands of the mighty Hashem? So what did they say? It's something they never saw. In other words, they saw the Aaron. 
So it implies that they weren't, they were like, what's going on? Why is there an Aaron here? They were shocked. Every other time we fight the Jews, there's no random Aaron with us. No, no random Aaron coming. So it implies that this was the only time that the Aaron was taken out in battle. So it seems that it was an anomaly just of that time of war with the Plishnim. Says the Gemara the other way. We have a, a, a pasuk like Rishlakish. Shaul said, bring, bring the Aaron here. Well, wait a second. What's going on here? This is talking about another battle with the Plishtim, a different battle. So Shaul turned to Achia, the Kohen Gadol. He wanted to ask, consult, consult with the Aron Batumim. He says, bring the Aron. What do you mean, the Aron? Aron Kiris Aron. The Aron was kept in Kiris Aron. This is the time where after the Plishtim returned it, they got these crazy golden hemorrhoids and they returned the Aron. Until the base of Mikdash was built, then the, the, the Aron was kept in Kiris Aron. So what's Shaul doing asking for an Aron? What kind of Aron is, is, is Shaul asking for? Asking for must be that there was another Aaron which was always taken out and that was the one that was in battle and that's the one that he wanted. And the other regular Aaron was in Keres Aaron. So the Gemara says, that sounds like a good proof. How did the Rabbana respond? So they say, it means bring the tzitz to me. It's not referring to the actual Aaron. It's saying that there was a box that used to hold the tzitz that's the one that we want, but we don't, it's not a reference to the actual arm. Continues the Gemara, another proof. We have another possibly that supports Rosh It says, Aaron, Yisrael, Yehuda, Yoshim, Basukas. This is, this is when David really, um, wanted to, uh, to build something special for the Aaron. So he said as follows, he says, the Aaron and Klaishon and Yehuda are all staying in, in huts, in Sukkos. And, and he's like complaining, like, how could it be that the Aaron is in a hut? So wait a second, what do you mean the Aaron's in a hut? Hello, Aaron Betzion, it was already in Tzion, it was in Yerushalayim, it was being kept in Yerushalayim. David had the main Aaron that was initially being carried to Aaron, it was moved to Ir David, which was Sion. So what, what is David talking about that it's in, it's in a hut? What, what, what's the issue? Must be that there were two different Aaron. One was in the hut, and one, you know, there's the hut in some random battlefield, and one was in Sion. And David was talking about the one that was in the hut out of the battlefield, so we see that there's two Aaronos. So the Gemara defends Ma'avon the Rabbanon, what the Rabbanon do with that proof? According to Rabbanon, there was only one Aaron. So the Gemara says, Really, it was kept under a roof, but it was a roof that was, that was like, it was like a schach, that it was a temporary roof, meaning it wasn't permanent. The Vesem Mikdash wasn't built. So even though it was, on, it was in Zion, the one Aaron that was in Zion, but it wasn't built in a permanent way, and that's what David was saying. How could it be that the Aaron is being kept in like a sukkah, like a, a, a structure with a, with a temporary sense? It's not in a, in a, a place of eternity of the Vesem Mikdash. That's what David was referring to, but there is only one Aaron. Come